Chapter 4 is where my passage is found. And my title is Praying Boldly. Bold praying, which if you know anything about the Bible at all, especially the New Testament, that assumes the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. There can be no bold prayers without the Holy Spirit. Up until recently, I've been expounding to you verse by verse the Sermon on the Mount. And there was no way after 15 sermons that I got to verse 16 that I would get to the end of chapter 7 by the 10th of October. And anyway, in these last Sundays that we're sharing with you together, I wanted to emphasize the Holy Spirit because without him, nothing of the last 30 years would have been possible. And nothing of the next 30 years will be possible without the Holy Spirit. So my sermon series title is The Age of the Spirit. Really, you need to know this, you are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. You are Holy Spirit people. The age of the Spirit began just over 2,000 years ago in the day of Pentecost when the ascended, resurrected, ascended, and glorified Jesus received the promise of the Father and poured out definitively the gift of the Spirit upon the then church, the 120 in Jerusalem. That was definitive. But it was not the end. God does not visit us with a cloud burst of rain. He pours out the persistent rain and glory of the Holy Spirit. And all that we know of God right now depends on the Holy Spirit who is present in you on you and among us all. Bold praying presupposes fullness of the Spirit. In times of crisis in the church and in the nation, God calls all believers as intercessors. Intercession is not a gift given to a few. It's the birthright of every believer. All believers to be filled once again with the Holy Spirit and to pray. To pray through to the point where there is a breakthrough and fear becomes faith. Timidity becomes boldness. We have suffered over the last few months and better almost two years really 
from the spirit of fear which has been attacking the hearts and minds of God's people, even the leaders. I've met so many leaders who are more full of fear than they are of faith. Cutting back, holding back, fearful, rather than standing in the place of intercession boldly and getting rid of the spirit of fear and operating in the spirit of faith. Now today, we do have a very big challenge. You all know that the influence of the state over its citizens has increased to an alarming rate where many people are concerned about their civil liberties. The government, in recent months, has closed shops, restricted movement, closed businesses, recreational centers, movie theaters, and churches, all because of the pandemic and the crisis and the need to control and contain the contagion. Vaccine passports now are a thing and we need to pray because the vaccine passports are not just being rolled out for travel purposes but possibly also entrance into public spaces maybe even churches I want to tell you I personally will stand against that with everything within me And I pray all church leaders, including our denominational leaders, will stand firm against that. Now, we have to ensure that we have a safe environment and we are not stupid. We've studied the science as best as we can. That's why we are happy that in this building we have a ventilation system that brings in fresh, clean air from outside every 15 minutes. That's why our public worship does not exceed at any given moment, any given slot, more than 15 minutes. Because we are aware of being sensible. But as state power increases, the temptation to hold on to that remains. And we have state power increasing and some of the decisions were made, probably had to be made. But alongside that, we have increasing intolerance of Christian truth. Increasing intolerance, increasing state control, put it together, and what have we got? A fantastic prayer meeting. That's what we've got. We've got a, a time for prayer. Now, I want to say to you that we haven't quite got in this country to the position that the early believers in the first few chapters of the book of Acts found themselves. Because at this particular point, where I'm about to read, they had called a prayer meeting because the religious authorities, the religious governors, 
had forbidden the public preaching of the gospel. And in our nation, street preachers, public preachers are not tolerated when they touch on truth that goes against cultural ideas. And Christianity always has been and always shall be a countercultural movement. We do not find out what public opinion is and make our sermons fit into that. We live the gospel. We live the Bible. We live the revelation of God's truth. Now, of course, we must be sensitive and careful and smart about how we communicate, building bridges, not standing on street corners and giving deliberate offense, but to win the hearts of people as well as their minds. But time after time, if the police are concerned that somebody preaching might give offense, they will personally yank you off to the police station. It's public order issue. But behind that, there is a spirit of control. And that is what's going to increase in the 2020s. That's why your levels in the Holy Spirit must also increase. That's why the level of your prayer and intercession must increase. The levels of your faith, the levels of your boldness, and the levels of your anointing in the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 23 and onwards. Peter and John, having just been forbidden to preach any longer, are released from custody. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your father, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the nation Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The story begins with boldness and ends with boldness, bold witness. You can see already that boldness comes 
from being filled with the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the believers were transformed, 120 of them, transformed from fear to faith. They'd really met with the risen Lord. They, they weren't in such a bad state that they were in anyway before they knew that Jesus was alive, but, but they were not ready. They were not prepared. Jesus said, I want you to be clothed with power from on high. In other words, I'm not sending you out naked into the battle, naked into the mission. You need to be clothed. So they were waiting. But whatever vestiges of fear were in them, when the fire of the Holy Spirit came, their fear turned to faith. They're no longer now just praying in private. The Holy Spirit drove them out of where they were praying and they started to go from prayer to public proclamation. Any timidity or powerlessness was taken away in place in its place, fearlessness and boldness. And in the middle of this, a great miracle happened. A man who had a congenital condition, congenital condition, born paraplegic, disabled from birth, 40 years or so, all he could do was be at the temple gate asking for money to be supported, no welfare system such as we know it. But Peter and John minister healing to him, and this was a great miracle, a notable miracle, an undeniable miracle. Everybody knew him, and they could see what had happened. And there was a group of people particularly, this was associated with the temple, as you know, it was on the way into the temple. The, the temple in those days was dominated by religious leaders, but a certain kind of religious leader. The kind of religious leader that didn't believe in the resurrection. They were the Sadducees. They didn't believe in resurrection, that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> oh, I heard that about 50 years ago, but it's still a good one. <laughs> And, and they, they were annoyed that the disciples were preaching resurrection through Jesus. So they were furious. But the boldness of the disciples had grown because the penny had dropped, something had clicked. Wow, this is how it's going to work. Jesus said this, go and preach, and signs of wonders shall follow, and, and it's going to work. So they knew what they had to do. Keep praying keep believing, keep preaching, and God would do what God only can do. Yeah. Now, the enemy also recognized that if this goes on, they would say, we're finished. So they had to stop it. You know, at the end of the day, as I, I mix with and minister to people who are outside the Christian faith and listen to them, and you know, at the end of the day, What's going on in their minds hasn't originated within their own minds. An enemy has sold them lies. And at every key point of gospel truth and biblical reality, there's already a thought, an opposing thought, pre-planted there. And so we have to spend time with them, get to know them, and to build bridges and, and be able to give good reasons as to why we believe what we believe 
And every activity of the enemy ultimately is to try to silence the people of the book, the people who carry revelation, because revelation destroys the activity of our enemy. So they must try to steal God's word from us and to prevent God's word from being openly proclaimed. But we are people who are bold, we are people who are spirit-filled, and we are people who will not be silenced. We command you, you cannot preach anymore in this name. It wasn't a crime, but if they disobeyed that, they'd be held in contempt of court and would be severely punished. So they said, okay, say what you want, but as far as we're concerned, we're going to see whether it's better, you know, you judge for yourself, but as far as we're concerned, it's better for us to obey God than you. Fighting words. We can't help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. The Spirit of God is on us. The love of God constrains us. And so they said, we're going to stick to the plan. Prayer, Holy Spirit, bold preaching, miracles, opposition, prayer, boldness, Holy Spirit, preaching, miracles. We're going to stick to it. So they called a prayer meeting. And they begin to pray. Boldness comes from being filled with the Spirit, and bold prayer brings more of the Holy Spirit. So many people today are struggling with what is called a loop, a negative loop. People struggle at home from isolation, start to feel low, less inclined to go out, stay at home more, more isolated, more lowness, more isolation. That's a loop, a negative loop. If you're struggling with that, let, 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 let me tell you, let me just pause for a moment, stop preaching and talk to you. Break out of that loop. Today, oh, we've got an extra row here at the front. We're, we're, you know, we're a good way towards bringing people back to the building. Get back to the building. Take that step. Don't go into a negative loop. Here is a positive loop. Prayer, Holy Spirit, boldness, more prayer, more Holy Spirit, more boldness. That's a positive loop. We used to call it vicious cycle and victorious cycle. Now we call it negative loop, positive loop. Whether you go loop-de-loop -loop or victory, I don't mind what you call it, as long as you get out of fear, intimidation, isolation, and any other oppressive bondage that has entered your heart and your mind. Now, their prayer was bold already. I believe in bold praying. I believe in strong praying. Especially when we gather together, we, we encourage one another in boldness. We do very little of this corporate praying like we used to because we've had to be respectful of COVID regulations. But I believe it's time to look at that again and just go through the science again and make sure that we can get back as soon as possible to the freedom we have and the freedom we need in the Spirit of God. They used to say, 
African praying. I remember a, a, a vicar from the Anglican Communion visited us and said, oh, we loved what you have in Kensington Temple, but oh, you do pray funny. So what do you mean funny? We all, it's funny what, how you pray. We don't pray like that in our Anglican communion. So I said, well, that's you know, each to their own. And then one sister was a bit annoyed at this. I don't know whether she was Nigerian, Ghanaian, or a mixture, I have no idea, but you know, she, she could stand in for any, any mama here. And she said, this is African praying, brother, African praying. Well, it's not African praying. It's Holy Spirit praying. This kind of prayer where people pray together all at once, they prayed together, and yet they could write out the prayer because they were praying according to prayer lines in the direction of the Holy Spirit, is heaven's praying. And if it's African praying also, all it proves is Africa has more of heaven than Europe. That's all it proves. <laughs> Bold praying, corporate prayer, and also it was addressed to the one in charge. Have you ever been in a situation, steady on, I think I said too much at the nine o'clock, revealed too much about the times I've gone into various establishments and say, I'd like to see the manager, please. And to be truthful, well, I would be truthful, but to be open, uh, it is to compliment the manager about the good things that are happening, but also to speak quietly to the manager about the things that are not. And I say, listen, you know, you know in, in the work that I do, management is so important. It's so difficult to get a good manager. Any business owners here, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because the manager manages but doesn't own it's a steward in Bible language. Managers don't own what they steward. They steward on behalf of somebody else. And I, I can tell you it takes a lot of faithfulness to steward somebody else's property. That's why managers should be very well rewarded. I think I'll say that again because it's going to minister to somebody. Managers should be very well rewarded. <laughs> I can hear the managers in the building. But there are times when you don't go to the manager. You go to the boss. <laughs> Bruce Atkinson, as you know, ministered alongside me for many, many years. He started out very young and always full of potential, but he, he cut his teeth here. And then, you know, we... we we run the church, so if somebody says, I'd like to speak to the pastor, please, we actually don't really know who they mean. Why? Because the cell leaders, you are the pastors. At least the first line of pastoral ministry and leadership. And we have teams of people. We have elders, count our elders, there are only 500 of them. So there are many, many people who carry anointing responsibility for the pastoral care and leadership of the church. Anyway, 
a lady came who was a visitor. I guess she was a traditional church member from somewhere. And she came marching up the front and said, I would like to speak to the pastor, please. Well, I was busy and running all kinds of things, and, and Bruce said, well, can I help you? No, I want to speak to the pastor. Well, well I am. You are not the pastor. Uh, uh, well, I am a pastor. No, you are not the pastor. You are an egg. <laughs> an egg. Meaning, you're just a boy. You haven't even hatched yet. Well, Bruce Atkinson hatched, I can tell you. <laughs> and he flourished. But there are times when you need to know who's in charge. I'm in charge right up until the 10th of October. After that, there is somebody else carrying that responsibility, sacred responsibility, and it will be fully carried by that person and the team that he builds around him, including his wife. Not that she's just part of the team, but you know. But actually, I'm not in charge. The Holy Spirit is the one who's in charge. God is in charge of the universe. So I say, when you pray, don't talk to the eggs. Go to the top. Sovereign Lord, you are the one in charge. Get to know him, his ruling power. This prayer leads like the table of contents in a theological textbook. The God of creation, the God of providence, the God of revelation, the God of scripture, the God of prophecy, the God of ongoing witness in the church of Jesus Christ. That is how they prayed. They knew their Bible. The more you know your Bible, the bolder your prayers can be. They also know, got to know what to pray. And, and just this is just thing, I've, I've got to move on, but, but just, just this one point. They quoted scripture, as you recall, and they saw that that scripture was a revelation of how the nations rage against the rule of God. That scripture carries authority and relevance for us today, but they had prophetic wisdom and discernment and understanding to know that that was the prayer line that they should pray in their situation. They took the scripture and said, God, this is happening before our very eyes. Exactly what is written here has happened in this city. That kind of powerful prophetic understanding and wisdom is the only way to pray. And when you get it, wow, you don't have to worry about boldness. Now when they prayed, I always like to see the follow-up from prayer. What happened after they prayed. Very interesting. <laughs> the Bible says, the place where they were sitting was shaken. So, would this be a building? Probably they were gathered somewhere. The place where they were gathered together 
were shaken. Now, what does that mean? It meant that God manifests his power, and when God shows up, he begins to shake things. I want to shake you today, but I can't. The Holy Spirit's got to do that. I can stir you, so you can be both shaken and stirred today. But I began to think about buildings being shaken. And being the great Bible student that I am, I recalled a passage in Scripture in which the temple was shaken. Isaiah chapter 6. Remember? The doorposts of the temple were shaken, shaken. The foundations were shaken. And I began to say, why would you shake your own temple? And you know what? My conclusion is this. Check it out for yourself. I believe God has a very uneasy relationship with buildings. Doesn't really like them. Certainly not as a place to live in. After all, how ridiculous that God should ever live in a building made with hands. In fact, expressly at the dedication of the temple, it was expressed, not, uh, not even heaven or the highest heaven could contain you, Lord, not least of all this building that I've built. So, and, and also, so every time he has a chance, God will shake the building to remind us, don't get too settled on a building. And as soon as he could, the earliest opportunity, he got the heaven out of the building. Did you know that? God manifested his presence in the temple. It didn't contain him, but he manifested the presence in the temple as a visual aid to demonstrate that the way to God was not fully open, not by anything to do with Old Testament rituals or life. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God got out of there. And he was so excited to get out of there that he ripped the veil of separation from top to bottom and said, I'm out of here. And he's never gone back. And he's never going to go back. They could build a thousand temples. God's not going there because you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So what have we learned? Boldness comes from being filled with the Spirit. And prayer leads to even more manifestations of the Spirit. When they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 4, not Acts 2. Acts 2 is the beginning. Acts 4 is the continuation. And one of the first things we need to be shaken out of. Okay, God granted he shakes buildings. He does shake, shake buildings. I was in New York many, many years ago, before 9-11. And I was preaching at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. The pastor in that building, Pastor Jim Simbala. I actually was preaching on this passage, Acts chapter 4. And you know what? When I preached on the point, the place where they were assembled was shaken. Suddenly, the whole building began to shake. There was a rumbling and a shaking. I was amazed. God, I didn't know my preaching was that strong. 
and nobody batted an eyelid, they said, Pastor, the New York Metro runs directly under this building. Every 20 minutes, the building shut. One day. One day. But you know, it's not really about buildings. God wants to shake people. He wants to shake institutions. He wants to shake churches. In fact, God wants to shake everything that can be shaken so that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. 2020, 2020s, a whole lot of shaking is coming. So you need to know what your firm foundation is. Katika jinela yesu. That's my mother tongue, which I go into occasionally. In the name of Jesus. So, boldness comes from being filled with the Spirit. Prayer leads to the manifestation of the Spirit, more manifestation of the Spirit. And more of the Holy Spirit leads to more boldness. And that's what happens. They were filled with boldness. So what is God saying to you today? Break free. Break free. From every spirit of fear and intimidation. God wants to replace your fear with faith. I want us to be known as a church of men and women of faith who know no impossibilities, who will not be bound, who will not be kowtowed. Now is not the time to sit back Cut back, hold back. Now is not the time to curtail, restrict, dampen, or suppress the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Let him loose. Now is the time to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, and more than hear, also to obey. And that takes faith and boldness in prayer. In the 1990s, shortly after Wynne Lewis became the general superintendent of the Elam Pentecostal churches, and I was left in sole charge of Kensington Temple, as they say, I threw myself upon the mercy of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he bequeathed to me I'll try very hard not to do this to my successor. But he said, oh, oh, by the way, I've committed you to mission to London with Dr. Morris Sorello. I was part of the organizing committee. A few years went by and Dr. Morris Sorello handed over the leadership of mission to London to a committee of London-based leaders and placed me as the chairman. I remember the first missions to London we did without Brother Morris, although he came to preach and had prayed for us, helped us shape that mission. It was a powerful mission, a successful mission. Thousands and thousands of people were saved. And Saturday night, the end of the mission, all the offerings were in, 
All the bills were in, and as I counted them up, there was a hundred thousand pound shortfall, and the bills were due to be paid Monday morning. So I do what any self-respecting church leader does, call a committee meeting. Listen, I would rather be with the committed than the committed. You know what a committee is? A committee is responsible for the shape of the camel. They were trying to design a horse, they couldn't agree and came up with the camel. Well, the committee let me down. It was made up of men and women of faith. They were London's leading faith preachers, and a good bunch of them were also prosperity preachers. I would never describe myself as a prosperity preacher. I describe myself as a Jesus preacher. Jesus is the gospel, not prosperity. But I thank God for his abundant provision. One by one, they abandoned me. One said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I've never raised as much money as this in my life. And they walked away. So I was left alone with £100,000 to pay by Monday morning. So what do you do? Don't rely on any committee, anywhere. Rely on God. The best thing a committee can do is to hear God. And when they manage to do that, they're okay. But nobody was listening to God. I was forced to go to God. Not that I founded an effort, but of course. But I went to God. And I prayed boldly. And I kept praying. Until sometime in the middle of the night, two or three o'clock, my prayer broke through. And I was filled with a sense of assurance and faith. God was saying to me, Colin, you can go to bed now. You got it. Where is it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I went to bed, slept like a baby, and then having gone to God, the next day I went to the church. God's people. Cut a long story short, Monday morning, I wrote a check of £100,000. Amen and amen. And just in case you were wondering, the check was good. It made up the deficit. What was the deficit? It was not a financial deficit. It was a faith deficit. We need to reason with the reasoning of the Holy Spirit and understand the abundant provision that comes to men and women of faith. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. No lack. God is a God of abundance. Provision follows vision. Amen and amen. amen. So drive out the spirit of fear. The age of the spirit is the, spirit, is the age of faith. Arise, be bold, be willing on the day of his power, be bold prayers, get filled and refilled with the Spirit, and stand in the place of declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.